0: So this morning, we are on a journey, a journey that starts on the east of Jerusalem, passing through Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, and then we go down towards Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives is on one side of Jerusalem, the eastern side, and looks over uh, the city. I know what you may be thinking. You may be thinking, we've been here before. We've done this journey before. Perhaps you have a feeling of deja vu. Perhaps you, like me, uh, are wondering, actually, when was the last time we did Palm Sunday in church? I think the last two years we've been online. Last year, I recall being here and live streaming uh, from the church, I think. And the year before that, I know it was a, uh, that's when COVID had just started. And so it was a, a, a put together service from different people's houses that was edited together but still there is that sense of deja vu. We've done Palm Sunday before, and as is often the way when we get to these big uh, celebrations and moments in the life of our faith um, through the, the church year, we can find ourselves knowing the whole story. When you watch a movie for the second time, you will see things you didn't see the first time, but you know the plot you know how it goes. And so you have a sense of expectation of what it's going to be like. It's not entirely new. And so it is with Palm Sunday and Holy Week Good Friday and Easter. We've been here before. Hopefully, as we retell and relive the story in our community, we will uh, see something new. We will experience something new. And God will speak to us in a way that we haven't heard before. But that's just what we need to hear now in the present reality of our lives. And so we're still in Lent. Holy Week is before us. And we get excited about Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey of all things. As we enter the story... Um, let's hope we see something we hadn't seen before. So, those of you what like to write things down, three points. All about offering, three kinds of offering: obedient, sacrificial, and praise. We have an obedient offering, we have sacrificial offering, and we have a praise offering. Each of these offerings related to the big picture, a response to the greatest offering of all time, that is God offering his son Jesus to die on a cross that we might be saved from our sins. We might have relationship with him. The offering of Jesus, humbly offering himself in submitting to his father's will. So firstly, what is the obedient offering that I'm talking about? Well, if you've got a Bible open, uh, verses 31 and 34 point to this particularly. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem, and he sends two disciples on ahead of him to get a cult. Now, um, we do this sometimes in normal life, when we have a reservation for a restaurant, and we might be running a bit late, and there's someone else coming, and so we sort of phone somebody here. Well, you go, you go in and get the table, and we'll try and find a space in the parking lot. And so there's that kind of going on ahead. So that's kind of what's happening here, only um, Jesus basically says you need to go and find a colt, which, if you want the definition, is a young, uncastrated male horse, in particular one less than four years old. and. He is to, uh, Jesus says, you go tell the the owner, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. Now, we don't hear what their response is. So often in the Bible, we just see one side of the story. Like with Paul's letters, uh, we see the response to something that's going on. And here in Luke's gospel, it's the same. We don't see the full picture. Were they delighted? Were they excited to give away their donkey, their colt? If someone came and knocked on your door and said, can I have your car because the Lord needs it, how would you feel? Now, if you have a nice car, you might say no. And if you have a car that you want to get rid of that isn't starting, you might say, good luck. (laughs) You take it. But this is a a new animal. It's a young animal. And uh, we don't know how excited or not they were. But they responded in obedience. Obedient offering is giving because we are asked. It's giving because we're asked. The Lord needs it. Why? What would the Lord want with this? Other than, as we might know, it's fulfilling some prophecies. Um, it's the purpose of bringing the kingdom to earth. We know that the kingdom in Christ has come and yet has not fully come. Then as now, the world is broken. And so, in Christ's coming, the kingdom has come to earth in a a more real way than it had before. The Lord needs many things, and they will be specific to a situation. By which I mean, if you have a young horse at home, if you have a colt, if you have a donkey, um, the Lord doesn't need it here at St. George's. Please don't bring it. Uh, We've just got the new carpet in in the last year and it would probably make a mess. The Lord does not need a donkey here. But what does the Lord need? What are we being asked for? How can we be obedient in giving to the Lord what the Lord needs? I remember um, walking through a city center, a downtown um, in, in a place where I lived, and there were a lot of people begging on the streets. So a typical day uh, would involve, um, if you were walking from one place to another, um, then uh, it would involve passing between five and ten people who would ask for, for spare change or ask for money. Um, so it was very, very common, and you can't give to everyone. What, what I did in that scenario is I gave to, to um, the city mission who worked with um, people who, who they could help. And so that's what I was able to say to people. This is how I give, um, because I can't give to every single person uh, who asks me on the street. And I was walking along with a friend who's a Christian, um, and, uh, and, and somebody had stopped us and said, you know, can you spare $10? And the friend s- opened his wallet and said, I haven't got anything in there. Now, as someone who lived in the city, I would um, expect that that would be the end of it. Um, because, as I say, people always asking for money and you cannot give to everyone, and he had nothing there left to give. But my friend, who was uh, a bit more holy than, than me, um, didn't take the excuse of, I've got nothing here. He'd been asked by someone who needed some money, and he said, There's an ATM over there. I'm going to go over and get some out, and I'll give it to you. And so he went out, got some money out, and he gave it to the man. I was challenged. Maybe you would have been challenged too by that generosity. It wasn't that this was the only person who was asking for money. There were many, many people in the city. He gave because he was asked. In Matthew 25, Jesus could have said, When I needed a bed for the night, you provided shelter because whatever you did, for the least of these brothers of mine, you did to me. So he was giving to Jesus, even if the man had other ideas as to what might actually happen to the money. What are we being asked for? What are we being asked for when we are out and about on the street? What's the Lord asking us for in our quiet times, in our prayer times? Maybe it's objects, maybe it's money, probably not horses or donkeys. Maybe it's our time, maybe it's our connections. Maybe we're being asked to phone that person who we haven't seen for a while to see how they are. Each of us have connections as part of our networks that God can use to help bring the kingdom of heaven more and more into the reality of our lives here in Maple Ridge, in Pitt Meadows, in Port Moody, in Port Coquitlam, in Vancouver, wherever you live, wherever you work. Don't think, well, because I haven't got a donkey, I've got nothing to give. Because I haven't got any spare money, I've got nothing to give. Because I haven't got time, I've got nothing to give. If you stop and pray, Lord, what is it you want from me? And wait for the response. I'm sure the Lord will tell you something. And it might, just want to put this out there, it might be that the Lord says to you, well, look, St. George's has a mortgage of $140,000, and you could pay that off tomorrow. And if that's something the Lord places on your heart, whoop ty doo come tell us. But I just wanted to, to say that that isn't the only thing. It's not all about money, as I said last week. God doesn't need our money. But there are people. There are people in your life, there are people in your workplace, there are people in your community, there are people in your neighborhood. And God probably wants you to do something that might bless them. Obedient offering is responding to needs when we're asked in a way that serves the Lord and helps Bring the reality of the kingdom of God here on earth. Then we have sacrificial offering. We see the people spreading their cloaks on the road. Just raise a hand for me if you ever wear a cloak. Nobody, anyone wear a coat? It's not a trick question, but only half the church wear a coat. Um, (laughs) uh, We all wear coats at different times, I'm sure. And so the cloak was was an outer garment that would have been worn. Um, And I actually used to have a cloak, uh, would you believe, because when I got ordained um, and and bought the the stuff uh, that I had to wear for funerals and things, I had a cloak. Um, But it always felt like something out of a movie, as I was processing through a graveyard wearing this big black cloak with like a chain across the front of it. And, uh, and, and people would see me and think, are you filming a movie? No, no, this is just, this is just the reality of life in the Church of England. Um, but, uh, but we have coats, don't we? And can you imagine, um, I don't know about you, I've got more than one coat. I have a, my nicer coats and then I have my older coats. Imagine you're wearing your nicest coat, your finest coat, whether it's a parka that keeps you warm or a woolen coat or, or whatever it is. Um, uh, you're wearing your nicest coat. That's the, uh, the reality for these people. They're wearing their nicest cloaks, and along comes Jesus, and they see the Messiah. And he's coming, and he's riding on a donkey on a colt, which means probably the roughness of the ground would have been, um, would have been hurting the feet of the colt. And so they throw down the cloaks, Um, They throw down the cloaks so that it softens uh, the, the journey for the feet of the animal upon which the king is riding. Now that's a sacrificial offering if ever there was one. Their cloak is not doing what it's intended to do, which is keeping them maybe warm or keeping them dry or keeping uh, the sun off them. Their cloak is getting dirty on the ground on one side and trampled on on the other. That's a sacrificial offering. They chose to respond without being asked. In the first scenario, they were asked. They were told, the Lord needs this. Now, they're responding because they see the need and they choose to make a sacrifice. They don't have to. No one is asking them to, but they choose to make a sacrifice. There are echoes here of a a royal visit or of, of the Oscars where the red carpet is laid out on the street so that the brand new shoes of the rich and famous don't get stones or chips in from... The uh, pavement, the contrast between the cloaks on the ground and the dust and dirt of the street would have been the equivalent of the red against the grey or black of the tarmac. It's costly to give. When we give, we lose something. Economists would talk about the opportunity cost because when we give away, we no longer have for ourselves. But in God's economy, of course, it works the other way around. Somehow, the more we give away, the more we allow the Lord to give to us. As we bless others, we find God gives blessing to us and our mindset changes. So here in the story, there they are, uh, seeing Jesus coming. What is it for us that we might be being asked to give sacrificially? Maybe it's giving the umbrella to the person who's getting soaking wet, which costs us because then we get soaking wet. Maybe it's giving our coat to someone who's cold, which costs us, because then we get cold. Maybe it's giving someone some food that we were going to eat, or some water that we were going to drink, which costs us, because then we don't have that. That's giving out of sacrifice. The third kind of offering So we have obedient offering, sacrificial offering. The third kind of offering is a praise offering. What do we hear them say? Blessed is the king. In verse 37, we see how the people praised God. The whole crowd saying that he was the king. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, this wasn't the Jerusalem crowd. This this, this wasn't the, the home audience. This was the away team. The Galileans were coming down. And they were the ones who believed that Jesus was going to come as the Messiah. They thought he was the Messiah. And so they were saying, blessed is the king. The people offered their praise to God, giving because we're compelled to. There are some times when you just have to respond. In Jesus, the disciples and gathered crowd, they put their hope The hope of salvation, the hope of all creation in him. They'd seen miracles and that led them to praise the one who performed them. And they couldn't just stand and watch and follow quietly. They praised Jesus. In verse 38, they took the familiar words of Psalm 118, which we'll sing at the end of our service. And they made a change. Because Psalm 118 says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they made a change and they said, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They demonstrated something of the kingly majesty of Jesus in throwing their cloaks on the ground, preparing for the arrival of the king. But it wasn't the red carpet, it wasn't a horse and cart. It was a donkey, and a young one at that. Jesus is called King, and he doesn't deny it. And the Pharisees challenge Jesus. They tell him to tell his disciples off, but he doesn't. He puts the Pharisees in their place by saying, if they... If they don't cry out, then the rocks will cry out instead. If they keep quiet, even the stones will cry out and praise. In a few days, Jesus will appear before Pontius Pilate, charged with claiming to be king. The worship and praise of Jesus by the crowd and the disciples feathers, the feathers of the Pharisees. And it didn't take them long to act. We'll get to that later in the week. But for today, our story finishes with this offering of praise. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is such a, a great verse and a verse that's worth saying again and again. If they keep quiet, even the stones will cry out. The crowd praised Jesus because they were compelled to. Something within them, they just had to praise. And sure, they didn't fully understand what was going on in Jerusalem. We don't fully understand every aspect Of our faith. But what we know is this, that if we don't praise, if we don't sing, then the rocks will have to do it for us. They didn't know that he would be a king so different from the Messiah they had imagined. They didn't understand fully, I'm sure, how he would die and what would happen. But at this point, they just had to praise him. And if they didn't, the stones would cry out and praise Jesus. Sometimes we have that moment, don't we? When we just have to call out in praise. Maybe it's a time when you've been in church and felt really engaged in in worship, in singing, or in liturgy. Maybe it's a moment when you've been out having a hike or a walk, and you see a majestic sunrise or sunset. Or you see eagles soaring overhead. And it calls us to want to praise the one who created all things. In each of the offerings in the story, the obedient offering, the sacrificial offering, and the praise offering, we see a response to the greatest gift of all time. That is God offering his son to die for us so that we might be in relationship with him. Christian faith is not about us doing a load of things and earning our way to heaven. Christian faith is about Jesus who has already done the work. And so we are invited. All we have to do is respond with a yes. Jesus is the humble king who came to earth to live among us, experienced life with all its highs and its lows, and was obedient to suffering, to death, even death on a cross. And so as we have these mixed emotions of Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry into Jerusalem of the king, who came to save us. We also have one eye on the cross as we look towards journeying through Holy Week to Good Friday and remembering the story once again. So can I encourage you, take some time to think and pray about your obedient, sacrificial, and praise offerings this week.